kind of given, given our, our, our sermon this morning, that title of Ouch. We've been looking over these last months at, at the book of Acts and steadily working our way through it and uh, called it the Young Church in Action, seeing how the, the church of Jesus Christ has, has grown from his commissioning to the apostles beginning to spread the word from Jerusalem into Judea and to the ends of the earth. And uh, last week, we had this interesting kind of uh, getting together of, of Jew and Gentile with the council at Jerusalem to say, well, if, if, if you become a follower of Jesus, do you have to become a Jew as well? Do you have to be circumcised? And there was a whole kind of disagreement that was worked out and a recognition that we are not saved by the law of Moses. But we are made right with Jesus because of what Jesus did in dying on the cross, rising from the dead and ascending into heaven. And that Jew and Gentile both are able to be brought into God's presence in that way by the grace of God. This little passage is is just a little bit awkward. You read it and you think, hmm... Leaves a bit of a bad taste in your mouth, particularly after this kind of seismic thing going on in, in chapter 15 where there's this big agreement and it sort of feels like a United Nations meeting. Everything's sorted, boom, let's go forward. But then there's this disagreement. And I wonder if we can just spend some time this morning looking at this disagreement. And seeing if there's, there's stuff there that we can learn from. Because in his mercy, God has given us his word, the Bible, for us to learn from and to grow from. I want to ask one or two questions of what was going on. And to some extent, some of the answer is a little bit unknowable. Some of it we can maybe work out from other parts of scripture. Some of it, we may just need to leave a little bit hanging. But the first, first question is fairly easy, to be honest. What was the problem? What was the problem that caused such a sharp disagreement? Was it, was it doctrine? Was it what people believed? I don't think so. Because actually, Chapter 15, the first bit of it, is all about doctrine, what it is that we believe, and the fundamental that Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose again, and he ascended into heaven to the right hand of the Father, sent his Holy Spirit so that we might be saved. That's not what the disagreement was about. It was actually about people. People like you and me. Difference of opinion. Strong opinions felt and exchanged. And a splintering seems to take place. And so you think, ow, that seems pretty bad. And as you look at the text, you think, well, actually... Seems like Barnabas has got it all wrong. 
Paul seems to have got it all right because by verse 40, it seems that Paul and Silas get a commendation from the church, but Barnabas and Mark, they kind of go off to, to, to Cyprus without any such commendation. So was it all Barnabas's fault? Or was there something that Paul maybe could have done wrong? You see, Barnabas is responding to the fact that John Mark had had left them in Pamphylia a couple of chapters earlier on on this difficult journey, this mission where they they were meeting people that actually sometimes wanted to kill them. They were chased out of some of these cities and stoned. And John Mark left. We don't know why. We don't know why that happened in chapter 13, but John Mark left and went back to Jerusalem for whatever reason. And it seems like Paul just wants to say, well, actually, he's not trustworthy. We we, we don't want him. But Barnabas doesn't write him off. Barnabas seems to want to stick with him. Could it be the case, another question, could it be the case that actually Paul and Barnabas were both right and Paul and Barnabas were both wrong? Just explore that a minute. Because it seems to me that it's quite right that you don't just write somebody off. Now, it turns out, as, as, as we read uh, on in Scripture, that, that Barnabas and John Mark were cousins. So maybe there was a family thing going on, a family tie going on that, that kind of wanted to hold on to them. But, but Barnabas did not write John Mark off. And thank the Lord that he didn't, because that same John Mark is the John Mark who worked later with Peter, and gave us the gospel of Mark. And you kind of think, if Barnabas had written him off and just jettisoned him, what would have happened? Would he have just drifted off into obscurity? But no, Barnabas held on and stuck with him. But maybe Paul was right. Maybe Paul could see something that Barnabas couldn't quite see. Do you know, sometimes when you're you're called to lead a church or or any other organisation for that matter, sometimes you have to make difficult calls. You maybe know something about somebody that other people don't necessarily know or need to know, and you have to make a difficult choice. And maybe Paul, maybe Paul was right. Maybe John Mark wasn't up to the job that lay ahead in spreading the gospel further. Maybe Paul knew that he was going to have to make a difficult call, one that was going to upset Barnabas, his mentor. Barnabas is the one that that drew Paul in to the Christian family, after all. But maybe Paul knew that John Mark wasn't quite suited for the task at hand, because this whole thing of, of, of the Jews 
being converted to Christianity and the way that works. It continued to be a problem. Continued to be an issue which, which people struggled with. We talked last week about kind of trying to get our head around how, how that must have felt. And, and we kind of likened it, perhaps unfortunately, I don't know, to Downton Abbey, to the kind of upstairs, downstairs type thing, that it was totally frowned upon for the people downstairs to go upstairs and change their social standing. And likewise for the people upstairs to go downstairs and lower themselves. That was the, the, the chasm that was there, culturally, religiously. There was a massive chasm. And maybe Paul felt, well, yeah, maybe John Mark just isn't quite there for that. Maybe Silas was actually more suited to the next phase of the work. So maybe there was right and wrong in both of them. But what we do know is that this was one heck of a ding-dong. Has anyone come across the word paroxysm? It's kind of a nice long, highfalutin word, paroxysm. Any ideas? What, what, what paroxysm means? People like parrots. Paroxysm. Go on, Paul. Shout it out. No? Right, Okay. It, it kind of expresses everything that went on in this passage. It's, it's, it, it's about somebody's anger that kind of actually overspills and overflows. Their veins are raised in their neck. They're going red in the face. These boys had a shouting match. The, the Greek word for sharp disagreement is paroxysmos. And it was an absolute humdinger of a row. It wasn't, I say, Barnabas, old chap. You know, I do think you're wrong. Oh, no, 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 Paul. I'll ask you, sir, but I do think... It was a right old slanging match that went on there. And we don't know quite what happened. But maybe in amongst those things, maybe Barnabas was a bit stubborn. Maybe he wasn't prepared to hear what Paul was saying. So maybe he was wrong in that sense. Maybe Paul, on the other hand, was just a little bit too forthright. You get the feeling from Paul's letters that he's not backwards in coming forwards, is he? He says it how it is. And so maybe there was all sorts of stuff going on there. Some right, some wrong. And we don't have masses of information on which to go, but, but we can learn from this. And one of the beautiful things that we can learn from this is that in God's mercy and in his grace, actually he brought something quite unexpected out of what was a terrible situation. Because if you look at the passage, actually two teams of missionaries were born out of the situation. There was, a, there was a team 
that went off to Cyprus. Mark and Barnabas go to Cyprus to go and speak to the churches that had been planted in Cyprus during their first missionary journey. And then Paul and Silas, they go off around Syria, around the coast and up to Cilicia. And they continue to spread the gospel. So out of a humdinger of a disagreement, God in his mercy redeemed that situation. God in his mercy redeemed that situation. But what I want to say very clearly is that this passage is not saying, ah, it's all right to have a slanging match. It's all right to fall out with people and say what I want to say and just forget about how other people feel because actually it'll all come out in the wash and God will redeem it. That is not what this passage is saying to us. I do wonder with the, 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 the scriptures that, that Paul, our Paul here, rather than Paul in the Bible, read to us earlier. Actually, that, that, that the Apostle Paul was very conscious of his own fiery nature. Not just in the passages that, that we read in, in, in Colossians, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in Galatians 5... Paul counsels against fits of rage. And I wonder, as he was writing those things, whether he was thinking, yeah, boy, do I need to hear this. So often when I'm preaching and preparing, I think, flipping out, I need to get that on board before I have any right to speak it out to other people. I don't think Paul would have been particularly proud of that particular episode. And actually, it's, it's lovely, because you see as you read through the letters from Paul to the various young churches, that time and again, there are references to Barnabas and to Mark, and how important and how dear they are. And you just get a sense that, okay, they had a ding-dong, Okay, they went their separate ways, but at some point there was reconciliation. Because otherwise Paul wouldn't have written, please send Mark to me. Things like that. Paul is really clear, Romans 6 verse 1, that actually we do not presume upon God's grace and use that as an excuse for sinning. So I don't think that this passage in any way, shape or form is saying it's okay just to have ding-dongs and let it be. I think it breaks God's heart. So last question. I've been asked what the problem was and maybe was there a bit of right and a bit of wrong. The last question, why in all the earth put this strange account into the Bible. Why put it there? Well, I guess really. You could answer that with another question. Who here is perfect? 
understand if you're perfect. (laughs) Who here hasn't said anything that on reflection might have been best left unsaid? Or said with more grace? Or with more compassion? Or with more love? We all make mistakes. I make mistakes. And actually the heroes of the Bible make mistakes again and again and again. We see. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about Scripture, that it's not frightened to point to our frailty and our failings. But there is only one who is perfect. One who is sinless. And that's Jesus. And actually, when we see these kinds of things going on, we can be pointed towards Jesus and see that there is one who is sinless. One who will not lose his rack. One who is perfect. And we need to keep centering our lives on him. We need to put Jesus at centre stage. Not our spouses. Not our children. Not even our pastor. Not our careers. All of those things, they're fine. They're good. They're God-given. And they have a right place. But Jesus needs to be centre stage of whatever we are doing. And when we see an account like this, we realise our need for Jesus. I want us just to, to think about six little things. You're thinking, flipping X, six more things. They're very short. Six little things that maybe actually are quite challenging things that may come out of this passage. First is this. Don't let's just focus on the truths of the gospel. But let's focus too on relationship and building relationship in church. Jesus wants to shape us and to shape our relationships. So give time to your relationships with one another. Second thing, see I told you they were quick. Second thing is don't let disagreement about one thing become something bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger so it ends up producing stalemate. Try to deal with the one thing. third thing to remember is that actually even God, who made the heavens and the earth, who made each one of us, even God doesn't rewrite the past. But he can redeem it. He can bring glory to his name through all situations. Fourthly, 
in all situations, please don't forget, there, but by the grace of God, go I. I look at this passage and say, oh, I'd never do that. There, but by the grace of God, go I. I am as broken and as fallen as the next person. And it's only in God's mercy that maybe I haven't messed up in that particular way. (laughs) Fifthly, learn from Barnabas. Don't be too quick to write other people off. Don't be too quick to write other people off. Think about the story of how David was chosen. Was it the strapping number one son, full of promise? No. Was it number two? No. Number three? No. Number four? No. Number 12, the scrawny little shepherd boy. Ah, yeah, it was him. God looks at our hearts. Do we look at people's hearts? Or do we just look at their track record and all of that and write them off? doesn't mean to say we, we use no judgment. We need to be wise and we need to help one another. But don't write other people off. And number six, don't write yourself off. Don't write yourself off. See, God's not finished with you yet. God's not finished with me yet. Thank goodness. Thank God. Don't fall into the fatalistic trap of, well, this is the way I am, so you can suck it up. Actually, God is in the business of transformation. And if there are edges and corners and and bits of us that really don't honour God, then God wants to help us to grow in the power of his spirit. So don't write yourself off. I wanted to um, play us a song that I suppose, I've I've heard it over the last uh, few months and it's become a little bit of a kind of an anthem for me. And so forgive me if it's just... I'm going to sit down and enjoy this song. But actually, I just think it really hits home, that last point. God's not finished with us. He, re- he wants to create something beautiful out of our lives. Out of the mess and the muck and the rubbish. Out of the beauty and the talent and the giftedness. God wants to bring something that will bring him glory. And that may not be easy. It may not be instant. But we have a God who wants to redeem out of the rubbish something that will give him glory. Let's just listen to this song. There's some kind of words that come up and uh, might just help us in reflecting uh, on our response. Created me a clean, clean heart. Created. 
Regardless of your musical taste, there's uh, a message there that may just be quiet for a moment, and uh, then I'll lead us in prayer. <laughs> 